Oh, man. If you have your Bibles this morning, Acts in chapter number 23. Book of Acts in chapter number 23. Whenever an airplane gets ready to take off, they load all the passengers up. They tell everybody to put your seatbelt on. Half of everybody listens. They tell the, the pilot to, to go ahead and get out there on the runway where they can see way out yonder for forever. And then they say two little words. They say, stand by. And at that point, the, the pilot and the co-pilot is sitting there with their hand on go, ready to get started, but they, they can't go. They're just sitting there ready up until they say you're clear for takeoff. Whenever they say you're clear for takeoff, that means they are no longer on standby. They are on full throttle. Let's roll. Let's, let's get out of here. And at that point, they punch the gas and they, you know, fly however airplanes do it. And I heard a guy say one time, he said, you know, God is always on standby in our life. Throughout the Bible and, and from Genesis all the way into the New Testament, God was always on standby. And we're going to get into several of those stories tonight, but... With, uh, this morning, but with Paul in Acts in chapter 23, the Lord was the Lord was on standby. We're going to read verse number 11. We're going to come back and we're going to read most of this chapter. We're going to look just at verse number 11. It said, In the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must... Thou bear witness also at Rome. Now Paul has stood before Pharisees and Sadducees and, and among a whole bunch of people. And he had tried to plead his case. He had tried to teach them about Jesus. He had tried to witness to God. And he got to the point that they were ready to kill him. They were conspiring to kill him. They were to the point that they would have tore him absolutely to pieces had people not protected him at that point. And the Lord came and stood by him. God was not going to pull Paul out of this situation and say, Paul, I'm going to remove you from all danger. He said, Paul, I'm going to stand by you in the danger. Paul, I'm not going to remove you from the situation. I'm going to help you through the situation. And there are very few things that's more fitting to our life than the fact that God does not promise us a life without trouble. God does not promise us a life without heartache. God does not promise us a life without anything. He promises that He will stay by us, that He will stand by us, that He will be ready to help us, that He will help us, that He will guide us, that He will protect us through it all. If we'll let Him. If we'll allow God to be on standby in our life. Now let's back up and pick up in verse number 6 of Acts chapter number 23. But Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other part Pharisees, and he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, and the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. And when he had so said, there arose dissension between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and a multitude was divided. For the Sadducees says, there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were the Pharisees part arose, and strove, saying, we find no evil in this man. But if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, now Paul was in a council. They were like a picture of town hall meeting, if you will. People everywhere. Paul saw that there was dissension. Paul saw that they were divided. And, and, and he, he struck out on this. 
and said the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled into pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force and to bring him into the castle. So they, the, 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 the soldier here, the, the chief captain, saw that Paul was about to be jumped on. Paul was about to be, well, he said, torn to pieces. And Paul was still talking. Paul was still testifying of Christ. Paul was still trying to get over to these people. And you can read back in the, in the chapter before. Paul was still trying to get over to him. Paul was still trying to preach to him. Paul was still there. And the man said, take him by force. Go remove him from the situation. That night God came to him. It said the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul. For just like you testified of me here in Jerusalem, he said, I'm going to let you go to Rome. I'm going to let you go and testify, bear witness of me also in Rome. Verse number 12, And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves together under a curse, saying they would never, uh, they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And there were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. So out of the people that were at the council, they banded together, they formed a group. Bible said more than 40 of them and they said we're not going to eat, we're not going to drink, we're going to kill this man. We're going to end his life. Is it up to any man to end a life? Bible says the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Right? It is not up to any person to end a life. People don't have that distinction. Just like it's not up to any person to create a life. Life is given and life is taken by, by God in His time and not in ours. These people said, we're not going to eat or drink until we kill Paul. They came to the chief priests and the elders and said, we have bound ourselves together under a great curse. We will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. They were serious. They were ready to kill him. Now, Paul was in a castle. Paul was kind of protected. But Paul was still in a place where the, the enemy was all around him. More than 40 Jews that looked like him, that talked like him, that blended into a crowd. But God said, be of good cheer, Paul. I'm going to take care of you. If you have your Bibles, we're going to do a little bit of flip-flopping today. Turn to 2 Kings chapter number 6. We're going to be back here in Acts in a minute. Book of 2 Kings chapter number 6. A king sent an army down to surround the prophet of God. When Elisha found himself, <clears throat> I picture him, and I always have, I pictured him down in a holler. So whenever he walked out of his tent, if he had looked around like that servant did, he would have saw the enemy all the way around him. Surrounding him on every side. I always picture him down in a hole. That way he can see all around him. 2 Kings chapter number 6, verse number 14. It said, Therefore, he sent... Uh, sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and could pass the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host can pass the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Did God leave Elisha and his servant in that city with absolutely no protection? God was standing by. God was sitting there ready. God, nothing sneaks up on God. Nothing surprises him. Whenever that host snuck up in there on night, uh, during the night, they surrounded those people. There was nothing that they could do about it. They snuck in there and they surrounded him. 
And a, and the servant said, How shall we do? And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire. Round about Elisha. God was ready. God was on standby. All he had to do was say, Hey, let's go. That's it. That's all he had to do. God was ready. God did not remove Elisha from the situation. I believe with all of my heart that God could have did exactly what he did to Philip. Y'all remember what God did to Philip? God picked Philip up. Imagine just reaching down and picking him up by the back of his neck. Brought him over here and set him in this desert to run into the Ethiopian eunuch. And then after he had preached to him, God picked him up and brought him back. God could have did that with Elisha. God could have just picked him up and said, Elisha, I'm going to remove you from the situation. I'm going to put you over here. God didn't do that. God never promised us that we would not find ourselves surrounded by the enemy. God never promised us that we would not find ourselves overwhelmed by trouble. He never promised us that. It's not in the Bible. He promised us that there will always be more with us than there are with them if we'll trust in Him. That's in the Bible. He promised us that He would always take care of us. He promised us that He would always deliver if we stick with Him, if we stand by Him. Daniel chapter number 6. Book of Daniel chapter number 6. Several of God's people found themselves in Babylonian captivity. They found themselves enemies and strangers in a land that they knew little to nothing about. And in chapter number 6, Daniel found himself being told that he could not pray to God. What will it take for you not to pray? And a Sunday school teacher asked me that one time. What would it take for you not to pray? For a lot of us, it just takes us getting busy, right? We didn't have a really good excuse like Daniel. We just got busy and forgot to pray. Daniel was guaranteed certain death by the king. Because whenever you throw people in the den with lions, it, they kill them. That's what happens. Daniel was promised certain death by the king, yet he went and prayed anyway. We're not going to get on that today. But in verse number 16, Daniel chapter number 6, and the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now spake the king unto Daniel. Now I want you to listen to King Darius. This is not a man who, who grew up in a God-fearing country. This is not a man who is historically known for being a Christian. This is a man who saw that in David. Verse number 16, he said, Daniel, thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. I don't know it for sure, but I, I'm... Undoubtedly, that king had seen them lions eat people before. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had a den of lions. They had them there because those lions had eaten people before. So whenever they came up with that punishment, I believe that that king was expecting... I believe that he was expecting for Daniel to walk out the next morning. Because he believed in God because of Daniel's faith. King Darius said, The God whom thou continually servest, he will deliver thee. Not because he had faith in God. He had faith in God because of the faith he had seen in Daniel. Turn back to chapter 3. Daniel chapter number 3. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves in the same situation. They found themselves surrounded by the enemy. They found themselves saying, bow down and serve this God. What will it take for us to neglect our God? What will it take for us to say no? What will it take for us to bow down and serve other things? These men said we are not going to do it, and they made a very important statement. Verse number 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, now listen to the response they got. This is an educated response. He said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known to thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image that thou hast set up. He said, our God is going to deliver us one of two ways. He's going to deliver us through the fire. He's going to deliver us into glory. One of two ways. They were surrounded by the enemy. I have to imagine they could feel the heat off that fire. Because Nebuchadnezzar, they, 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 the, the people came to him and told him, said, hey, there's, there's three boys standing up in the back. They won't bow down. So he commanded for them to be brought to him. And we're going to play this music again. We're going to give you a second chance. They said, no, we're, we're not going to do it. I have to imagine that whenever they come up there to the king Nebuchadnezzar, that he got them real close to that fire so they could feel it. Because he said, let's heat this thing seven more times. Seven times hotter. Some kind of hot. And sitting there feeling that fire. They said, King, we're not careful to answer you. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. God did not pull them out of the situation. They threw him into the fire, and how many people did King Nebuchadnezzar say? He said, I, uh, we threw in three, but how many was in the fire? It was four. God was already in there waiting. Jesus was already in there waiting. There's a song. I don't remember who sings it. It's kind of an upbeat song. It says he's still in the fire. My mama, the song goes, my mama told a story in the Bible long ago about Shadrach, Meshach, and Old Abednego. How the king commanded they get cast into the flames because they would not bow and deny their father's name. The king stood high up on the balcony so tall when he looked in, he was shocked at all the things he saw. He expected to see them lying dead up on the ground, but instead of three, he counted four up, walking all around. When the story was over, the boy said, hey, Mama, wait a minute, there's one thing that I must know. If three went in and three came out, then where did the fourth man go? I never will forget it. Mama danced across the floor and these are the words she shouted as she ran out the door or something rather. The chorus says he's still in the fire and he's walking in the flames and he'll be there to help you when you call upon his name. He can still deliver by his almighty power. While here below it's good to know he's still in the fire. God is always wherever our trouble is at. He was already in there ready to deliver them. He was already in there ready to walk through it with them. God was on standby. But they didn't realize that until they said, King, we're not going to bow. Throw us in. Then their faith took hope. Exodus chapter number 14. Book of Exodus chapter number 14. God had allowed Moses and Aaron to do all sorts of miracles in front of the, the 
the Egyptians. I believe these miracles are also in front of the children of Israel. So Pharaoh said, hey, let them go. Turn them loose. Get out of here. As they started going, they came up to the Red Sea. They turned around and the Egyptians chased them. Said, hey, we want them back. I can't believe we cut them all loose. And they came and they said, are we going to die here? Verse number 12, it says, Is this not the word that we did tell thee in Egypt? Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in this wilderness. And Moses said, Fear not, stand still, and watch the salvation of the Lord. As he was showing to you this day, he said, The Egyptians you've seen, you're not going to see them no more. They got up to the Red Sea and Moses said, Hey, watch this. I have to imagine that God was just sitting there laughing as that, that, that sea opened up. And then people just sitting there wide-eyed. I just have to imagine that God was laughing at them. Say, like, oh, you have little faith. I can't believe y'all didn't believe I couldn't do this. God was ready. Whenever his people got there, God was ready. God was already there. God was already on standby. He was already ready to deliver them. Whenever they showed up. First Samuel chapter number 17. Then we're going to head back toward Acts. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. David came as a young man. Straight out of the field, he came up to this battleground. And as he stood there with, and I don't know how many warriors Israel had, but I had to imagine it was a pile of them. The warriors of Israel, great and small, all lined up, sitting down in their ditches or foxholes or whatever it was. And David come up and said, what's going on? And then he heard that, that big giant stand up and say, somebody come fight me. And David said, is there not a cause? David said, is there not a cause? Why does your heart fail you? David said, I'll fight He wasn't a warrior. But God was already there. David didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but his faith in God was that strong. He knew that God was going to deliver. He didn't know how. But he knew that God was going to deliver. Chapter number 17, verse number 47. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for this battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hands. He said, God has already won this battle. You just don't know it yet. That's exactly what it is. God has already won. You just don't know it yet. We was out fishing in Lake Sam Rayburn a couple years ago. I was fishing with Trey and it had been a minute since we caught something. And Trey finally hooked into one. <clears throat> he set the hook. He said, whoo, you in the frying pan. You just don't know it yet. Already in the grease. You just don't know it yet. He got the fish in and turns out the fish ended up being in the grease later that day. But he told Trey, Trey, Trey said as soon as he hit that bait, he said, hey, he didn't know it, but it was over. That was it. That battle was already God's. It was already won. It was already done. That giant was already dead. He just didn't know it yet. I love the faith that David had in verse number 48. David did not know the outcome. David did not know what was going to happen. But David ran toward that giant. David ran toward that giant. Now y'all see in, in video games and in movies and whatnot, whenever somebody is, is running toward a, a, an adversary, especially with, with hand tools, spears, swords, whatever it may be, they, they're running with a shield up, right? 
They're running kind of sideways, trying to dodge whatever may come their way. He said, David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David ran toward a giant with a shield, with a sword big as David was. And David had a staff, a bag with, the Bible says, script in it, and a couple of rocks, and a sling. Talk about bringing a, a rock to a sword fight. God had already been there. God was on standby. God was sitting there waiting on David's faith to meet him. Y'all have seen where the red fern grows, right? The movie? The man wants him a set of coon dogs. What does his daddy say? He says, sometimes you got to meet God halfway, right? God is already there. He's waiting on us to get to him. He's waiting on our faith to get to the point that he can show up. He's waiting on our faith to get to the point that he can say, go. Elisha told God, he said, open this young man's eyes. Elisha's faith got there and God showed up. The three Hebrew children said, our God will deliver us. Their faith met God and God showed up. Daniel said, I don't care if the decree is signed or not. I'm still going to my window to pray. And whenever he was thrown in there with them lines, Daniel's faith met God and God showed up. David's faith met God whenever he ran toward this Philistine. <clears throat> Knowing good and well, Daniel already, David already told him what was going to happen. Right? He said, well, let's turn back. Verse uh, 45, he said, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee with the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. And this day the Lord will deliver thee into my hand. David says, you don't know, but you're already dead. The world is a dangerous place, right? It's a scary place. Every last bit of it. Seems like in every corner of the world now. It's just crazy. But the world was crazy in Daniel's day. He was a, a slave. He was a captive. The world was crazy in David's day. He was a shepherd. The world was crazy. In Moses' day, he was an orphan. The world was crazy. But God was there. God delivered anyway. Because our circumstances does not dictate the power of our God. Y'all ever notice, and uh, I watched a short documentary on it at one point. LSU plays better the louder their stadium gets. So historically speaking, the football team plays better as far as positive yardage goes. They didn't get into points. But as far as positive yardage goes, their football team plays better the louder their stadium gets. Kansas City Chiefs had the same statistic. Arrowhead Stadium, they said the louder it gets, the better this team plays. You know, our circumstances don't dictate how good God is. Our circumstances, our noise, our racket to evil surrounding us does not dictate how often God shows up. Because God is always on standby. God is always ready. God is always here. All we got to do is meet Him. All we have to do is take our faith and meet God. That's it. 
Turn, if you would, back to Acts in chapter number 23. The Jews conspired against Paul. God said, Paul, don't worry about it. I'm going to get you to Rome. For those of you who read your Bibles, y'all know what's happening between here and the end of the book of Acts. Paul had a long journey to Rome. But God said, Paul, I'm going to get you to Rome. The Jews came in verse 13 and 14 and said, we're going to kill him. Verse number 16, And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. And Paul called one of the centurions, and the centurion went and called the captain and, and the chief captain. Now I want you to, and you can go back and read this after service, but we're not going to read it for the sake of time. But, but everybody who, who was involved here, this all had to work out. Y'all ever played that game in school where everybody gets in a circle and you whisper to the person and they whisper and whisper and whisper and whisper? And eventually when it gets over here, it's, it's not the same as what it started. Same way gossip works for those who don't know. It's never the same as what it started because whenever people have to work out with other people, it never works out. People struggle with that. All of these people had to work together. It all had to fall out exactly right. Paul's sister's son had to be sitting here listening at the perfect time. That's how God's timing works. It's always perfect. That's how God's plans work. They're always perfect. Every time. There's a thousand and one things that could have went wrong during this process. For the entire book of, of Acts 20, uh, chapter of Acts 23. A thousand and one things could have went wrong, but because it was God's plan, it didn't. Y'all ever built something and had a bunch of parts left over, so you stuck them in your pocket? We have a small engines contest coming up on Friday with the FFA. And I tell my kids in every contest, I said, hey, if you have boats left over, do not leave them laying on that table. They'll dock your points for that. So if you have boats left over, you take your shovel in your pocket. That way they don't see them. And chances are, if it's a heat shield boat, it won't matter. If it's a crankcase boat, we have a problem. Just shove them in your pocket. Because our plans don't always work out. The way that we're supposed to do things don't always work out. God's does. 100% of the time. And He's on standby. Ready. Waiting. Saying, come meet me halfway. This world is a powerful, powerful force. The reality in which we live is that perception dictates our actions. What we see, what we hear, the way we act, the world around us, what's going on in this parish, dictates how we feel, dictates how we sleep, dictates how we act. But it don't dictate God's plan. God's plan is perfect in spite of. God has promised to protect us in spite of. God has promised to lead us, to guide us, to guard us in spite of what's going on around us. So whenever we find ourselves with an army all the way around us, let's pray to God to open our eyes. Whenever we find ourselves in a situation where somebody says, you can't pray, you can't read your Bible, you can't serve God, let's do it anyway. Because God has already taken care of the lions. When somebody says, bow down, put something else before God. Stand up. Because God will get us through the fire. There's no situation in our life, there's nothing that we can face, there's nothing we can come across that He hadn't already seen. 
Our God is a God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He knows tomorrow better than we know yesterday. God has already taken care of it. God has already done it. God has already solved it. We just have to have that faith in Him. And this after this morning, I hope and pray that we could all have that kind of faith. Whenever we read back in the Old Testament, we read of Daniel and David and, and Ezekiel and Nehemiah and Jeremiah. We read of all these people and we say they were extraordinary people. They weren't. They had extraordinary faith. Each and every one of us is capable of that as well. We need extraordinary faith. We need to pray for extraordinary faith. We need to look for extraordinary faith. We need to exercise extraordinary faith. This morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it takes extraordinary faith to be saved. It takes faith in the one and only God. It takes faith in Jesus Christ. Because faith in yourself ain't going to get you there. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall believe in Jesus Christ with all of their heart shall be saved. Oh, we have a verse for some? I ask for a verse of invitation if someone has something on their heart.